cameras, aren't you? <laughs> no. You're <laughs> <laughs> on this, Right, hello and welcome to another Let's Talk. Today I'm joined by Lauren, who's going to tell us all about herself and her past year through the COVID pandemic. Hi Lauren, how are you? Hi, I'm alright, yeah, how are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, what you do? Um, I'm from Durham, which not a lot of people know other than for the uni, which is really posh. <laughs> um, I am an editor, or I'm trying to be, I'm about going to do my masters in editing, um, back in Manchester, which I can't wait for. And I also do kind of digital art on the side. Um, yeah. <laughs> so how did you get into all them over the editing and stuff? Um, I start. I did like media studies when I for like a BTEC when I was about fifteen, and I kind of just picked it on a whim. And then when I actually started doing it, I realised I really like editing, and I kind of got to grips with Premiere Pro, and now like I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. Um, and yeah, I followed that forward into my uni degree with media and performance, mm -hmm. kind of jumping at any chance to edit any projects that I could. Um, and then I'm following it on, yeah, like I said, to my master's, so I just really, that's the end goal is to be um, an editor for TV and film. Mm -hmm. um, and then digital art, I um, kind of had a friend who had an iPad and an Apple Pencil and she was doing some of this stuff and showing me kind of what she was creating and I really liked the idea of that because there's been no clean up with like paint supplies or art supplies or any of that so I was like I'll give that a go um, and I did like some kind of art for free for my friends and stuff um, and designed like credit sequences mm -hmm. like with graphics in them and I really found that I enjoyed it but more than anything rather than editing which is kind of like working meticulously and getting satisfaction at the end of it like digital art is just kind of like more relaxing Mm -hmm. So it's like... So it's um, a hobby that you've been able to sort of progress a little bit more into? Yeah, exactly. And then I kind of, um, at the start of the lockdown, I started um, an art page and I sold um, kind of commissions of digital artwork of uh, family photos and things like that to people, particularly around Christmas, it was quite popular. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I've started making a little like some of the money from it that I'm saving to support my masters. It's just constantly squirrelling away. Yeah, was that quite difficult to get into with the graphics and stuff? Or did you pick it up quite easy? Um, it was. It's difficult because a little bit. It's obviously quite different to drawing like pen and paper. And uh, the I use um, Procreate on my iPad, so yeah. it's a really great tool. And you can find a load of free brushes online, or you can get. Um, like packs for like quite cheap of full of brushes that have different textures and stuff um, and it just it takes a long time to like figure out what you're doing and for it to come naturally yeah. but it just kind of almost clicks one day and you kind of realize what you're doing and then when you go back and try and draw on paper you're trying to like zoom in and stuff and you just can't because it's physical paper it's terrible but um yeah I, I love love digital art and procreate have you been able to sort of use that to benefit your, your editing and your post-production work or is it sort of still two separate things almost? Um, I didn't think at first that they would like marry into each other but like doing, um, I was editing a short film called Rufus and Friends for the end of my, um, for the end of my course and uh, it features a cast of people who come back um, 
they're the cast from a children's show coming back from mm -hmm. a reunion as adults and Rufus is this um, furry monster thing and he's like the main star. Um, it's a, like a twisted like dark comedy horror thing mm -hmm. and at the end because it's supposed to be quite light like a kid's TV show all of the visuals but the themes are really dark um, at the end we did kind of some stills and like moving graphics of um, scenes in the in the film and it was it worked out really well and that's when I thought kind of oh I can put this I can blend them together and I can really feed them into each other and that they work together it's just like a happy coincidence I <laughs> yeah. guess is it then when you do do the editing stuff, do you have much say in any of the production work? Are you there just as the editor or can you sort of have a say in how things are sh filmed and shot and stuff? Um, so generally the way that we worked, particularly at uni, um, is you go through kind of stages. So we do pre-production, production, post-production. Post um, and in pre-production, everybody's there, you know, you, you have to get a feel for their characters and how they're going to be and how you want to portray them on screen and that's not just through costume and lighting and things like that, it's through the edit because an edit can change the entire way that you are represented on screen. Um, but we we normally have like chats with directors, cinematographer, that kind of thing and see really where they want it to go mm -hmm. and then go away and maybe do some practice shots and rehearse them with specific like edits to see exactly how we want the shots. Quite often as well if you've got um, edit effects or special effects, you'll be on set there to say it needs to happen like this mm. so that I can edit it correctly because even if sometimes if it's like a match cut or something and a camera is slightly off, they might not be able to tell on the day but you can tell so like clearly in the edit and you're like, oh it's so frustrating. So just kind of catching little things to stop for reshoots I guess. Mm. And how long have you been doing the editing you say? Mm. I've been editing six years now in Premier Pro. So did that start when you were in, in college and school yeah, and stuff? Yeah, that's when it, yeah. Did um, you do any personal stuff with it? Um, <laughs> well, to be fair, I used to make little videos and stuff for, um, like when I was in secondary school, I'd make little videos and stuff for projects. So it'd be, it'd be like, oh, we need you to make a, um, like write a page or whatever on this thing. And I'd be like, can I just do it in a video though, please? Because it's so much easier. Um, but. <laughs> it's how I got in the video editing myself, it's because I hated when I was in secondary school doing presentations and stuff. Yeah. So I would just film myself giving the presentation and, and then, then just hide at the back. Yeah, That's it's exactly that, yeah. So is with uni then, is it your uni group that do it or do you get like external people in to do like the acting or some of the other stuff? Um, so it, it depends kind of really on what um, module you're doing and what you'll be marked on. Mm -hmm. So. My um, course was media and performance, but I'm way more of a media person than a performance person, and I learned that really quickly. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm not supposed to be on stage. Depending on what you get marked on, like lots of people will fill different roles. Mm. Um, so you might have full crew as students and then external cast, or you could have like everyone as a student. It just depends on what you can work with, and really when you're surrounded by students who want to be actors mm -hmm. and you need actors it's really easy just to be like do you think you can do this line for me please so it's it's kind of using what you can get really yeah and how has everyone been sort of through the past year because when did you finish all this or I, to have i'm supposed to have finished um around about this time last year actually around about kind of um may june time we were supposed to have completely finished everything 
um, when the first lockdown came, mm. we we were we'd heard rumours and stuff about it when I was working on um, Rufus and Friends, and for the second part of that module, we had to fill a different role on a different um, production, mm -hmm. and I was a production coordinator, which is already stressful, um, but we had meetings with some of our lecturers and stuff, um, myself, the assistant director, the director and the producer, to say like, what is happening, because we didn't know what was going on, and they were like, just get as much done as you can, um, so that you have something to work with, uh, if we do go into lockdown, mm -hmm. and um, we stayed until, I think it was 9pm, from a 9am start, skipped lunch, did all of my um, planning and everything, I had tried so for the next couple of days we were going to try and film it in an Airbnb, kind of mm -hmm. just get cram it in as, as quick as we could and then literally the next day we got an email saying that we didn't need to come back into uni and it was St Patrick's Day actually, we had um, like, uh, we were in the kind of main park at the university all just sat together as a group and it was the last time that everyone was together because we all kind of had to go home and lock down and it was just, it was just such a disappointing end to it but then to be at home and having like all this work that you still have to do the lecturers know nothing about what's going to happen you know nothing about what's going to happen because your entire view of how this project is going to go has completely changed um we were on we we got pushed back a couple of weeks and then got a couple of weeks added on to our terms so that it wouldn't affect our grades um and we essentially were told as like a production team this is what needs to happen and we had to relay that to our group yeah. so rather than becoming um in a production team you were an authority on set but rather than being an authority on set we became almost like a hub for people to come to and be like oh what's happening with this what how am i getting marked on this and we're just like we have no idea let's please make a film um we got actors to uh record themselves send stuff in we had um arranged it so a director would be on a call with you and the lighting person would come in tell you how to set up the lights they'd leave then like um your costume your makeup would come in make sure that you looked it correct and then leave so that you could film it in silence but so that they could still double check things it, there were so many little hurdles that you don't think of that are so easy to do in person and it was just it was a bit of a nightmare that sounds like an awful it was horrendous. but um rather than doing the full film we did a visual mood board so it was kind of uh, we took themes from the film um, and like a running motifs for like flowers and vines and things and mm -hmm. um, we wanted the film to show the relationships between the characters so we connected them with like vines and kind of followed on from one character to the next so you could see how the relationship develops throughout the um like the piece mm -hmm. um and it actually it turned out really well considering none of us could do anything yeah. together um but it was a struggle <laughs> so there was oh everything you did sort of beforehand did you not even get a chance to try and finish that or wrap it up and make a clean ish copy mm -hmm. So what we did, we had we were supposed to have a week of pre-production. Mm -hmm. We had a day. Um, <laughs> stayed in the entire time and really tried so that the next day we could start as soon as possible filming and we didn't even get to film a single thing in person which was really kind of disappointing because for the project as well, um, like I said, you made two films one after the other mm -hmm. but they, they weren't just random films that we were given. Um, three 
people come together, you get your producer, your director and the writer. So the students on the course who are working with us have written these like short films themselves. And the first half, just by luck, happened to be able to get theirs filmed. And the second half just didn't. Yeah. And it's really disappointing because you see people who've worked really, really hard on these scripts just not being able to do anything with them and not having any of the resources and it just it's just really disappointing, you know. It was and especially when you remember sort of looking at the at the news from the first lockdown, even till like today and uni students seem heavily forgot about in everything compared to like, yeah. the schools. How was that for you as all to sort of deal with? Um it was difficult to kind of say, oh, this isn't going to end soon because you know how, oh, it's only for three weeks and then, yeah. oh, no, it's not only for three <laughs> weeks. It was really difficult to kind of deal with the fact that I wasn't going back to uni. Um, and like as students, because you see all of the, the schools were getting um, stuff about whether they're going back and about the A-level students getting into uni and stuff like that, which is obviously is really important, especially... Mm -hmm when you are an A-level student, like for that to completely break apart everything that you thought was gonna happen, that is horrific. So I, I had quite a lot of sympathy for them to be fair, but also at the same time, I was like, students are also suffering yeah. and we're paying money for the pleasure to suffer. Um, like this is the full thing I've been working towards and I just don't get to have it. But not only that, I have to leave the place that is now my home. I have to leave my friends that I have. I've got to just like kind of up and go back to it's just it's really kind of jarring I think mm -hmm. um, and especially not actually getting to graduate is really horrible because the one thing that was kind of motivating us and pushing us through was that I'll get that day on graduation when I can just celebrate with everyone and have that moment but nothing seems to have came from it yet no they are I have lecturers obviously they aren't involved specifically in the graduation planning but we they were so open with us about it they were like we are really fighting to get this for you I think a little bit of an oversight from um, the Uni of Salford was when they emailed us, um, they emailed all of the alumni on your university email address. Remember how good your graduation was? And I was like, no, I don't actually. And obviously they're trying to sort out and explain how they're trying to make sure that this year's cohort get to graduate. Mm -hmm. And that maybe it's a little bit of an oversight to send that to a cohort who didn't even get close to graduating. Yeah, just little things like that kind of really set you off and you're like, oh, did you ever go to one of the, because I know there was loads of protests, especially around yeah. uh, our area, did you go to any of them for the for the news and stuff? I didn't go to any of the protests for the uni, we did um, um, in our kind of group chat of my like, friends and stuff at uni, my year group, mm -hmm. um, we have been pushing, like quite a lot of us, if we get an email, a lot of us will reply to it and push for it and kind of go through different channels. We're trying to be, speak to different people at the uni to really like make sure that it's happening and let them know that we'll kick up a bit of a fuss. Yeah. But um, I've not really heard much back to be fair, so it's a bit disappointing. I'd love to go to protests <coughs> and stuff, but I don't really know when they're happening. No, no, they just seem to be on the news one day. Mm. So have you managed to see any of the uni kids who you were friends with, or have you all still been apart since the beginning? Um, we kind of, we stopped and didn't really know what was happening. Um, I had, didn't see any of my housemates again. I just went back and picked up my stuff one day and no one was there, it was really weird. Um, a couple of people in August when lockdown was really eased, um, one of my friends had a garden party for his birthday 
and that was really nice to just like see people again and be around them again um but it's like little things like that i think if i didn't have things like that it would be way worse kind of mentally because they're the things that you're working towards when you're sat at home all day or, or you're working and you can't do anything else you just see kind of like this little glimmer of hope at the end that's like an event that you can look forward to i guess so then if we go into the lockdown itself how because it, it, we did we were promised three weeks and then it just went into an inevitable this is it yeah how did you manage to find and cope with that it was hard to be honest at first i thought oh okay staying at home for three weeks whatever and then it extended and then it extended and i realized i kind of was in denial a little bit first about going back to uni i was like I'm, go I'm going back to uni, I'll be mm -hmm. going back. My mum's like, do you not want to take everything from your uni house home now? I'm like, no, I'm going back, mum. It's fine. Just complete denial. And then when I realised I'm not going back, it was really kind of hard because it's like I didn't get to say goodbye to quite a lot of people. It was yeah. just kind of one day we all had to leave. Um, and the lockdown itself, being at home after having lived away independently and only kind of visiting home mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks a year, it was really just strange to be put like back into my childhood bedroom, back living with my mum. It was just weird. Um, but it kind of weighs a lot on your mind as well when you, you're not surrounded by people who are in like your peer group. Because like as great as your family might be, it's hard to just be stuck in like a house with them for like so many days at a time. Um, and kind of sometimes I was struggling to like even leave the house or having like panic attacks in shops and things because I just didn't mm -hmm. know what the new normal was or what I'm supposed to be doing and I like to kind of have things set out beforehand so like when I go into a shop before the pandemic I know what I'm doing when I go into a shop during the pandemic I have no idea like what's appropriate or not and it was hard to kind of figure out mm -hmm. so you think you're allowed to definitely talk some more of tall during it all? 100%. Um, I got changed from my uh, antidepressants I was on onto a slightly stronger antidepressants and the um, doctor had kind of made a comment about, oh yeah, we're, we're really trying to make sure people are alright because the mental health is going to take a dive in lockdown. And at first I thought, it won't be too bad. Well, especially, I was furloughed um, right at the start of this year. <clears throat> and having that like just nothingness nothing to do um my mum moved into a new house with her fiance so it's just me and my brother in the house and just every single day the same people doing the same thing you get into such a rut and it just think like you think when is this gonna end it's really horrible uh sometimes just getting out of bed was really really hard or just like building up to leave the house mm -hmm. i mean i'm glad i can't believe i'm saying this because we <laughs> used to hate each other but i'm glad i'm living with my brother because um, <clears throat> if it was just me it would be worse but he like has had his fair share of mental health problems as well and is like aware of what my kind of panic and anxiety is like so he'd say do you want to go to the shop today are you okay to go to the shop today mm -hmm. and then if I wasn't feeling it he'd go but because he kept asking if encouraged me to go out more or he'd walk with me and stuff it just nice things I never knew that he could do yeah. <laughs> he's just never been that nice to me before oh, so I suppose at least it's somewhat probably you know used to a little bit closer yeah I'd say definitely but um yeah my mental health did take quite a dip do you reckon because of course you said he's had his his fair share mm -hmm. used to both sort of having experiences and then being stuck together for a long yeah. period of time do you reckon that's really helped 
A hundred percent. I think it's the same with um, friends as well. Uh, like a lot of, because in this lockdown, um, at the start of it, a couple, me and a couple of my mates were watching um, Bongo's Bingo every Saturday and having drinks <laughs> yeah. over like Skype or Zoom or whatever, and just um, that really, really helps because it's it's that social aspect that you don't get when you're just locked down at home, and it's a bit annoying because you can't see people and you, you can't be with them in person but like having that is really nice um but i started a discord server with one of my friends and mm. we've added like a couple of people that we've met through games and stuff but also the ones that we know are kind of in real life <laughs> and um we've kind of got this really nice like community on there and a lot of the people who are on there who are like my close friends suffer with kind of mental health issues as well so being able to come back and go, I've had a really bad day, I feel like I'm gonna have a panic attack and have just a group of people who completely understand and go, okay, you're all right, we'll kind of change the subject, we'll, we'll talk about it and um, we'll calm you down. And having that support group who understand your mental health issues is really nice. Whereas if you kind of are in a situation where you didn't have anyone like that, it, it can make you feel very isolated, I think. Mm. So before the pandemic, is it quite similar, your sort of coping mechanisms when it comes to your anxiety and your depression and stuff? Or is it changed because of COVID that you've had to adapt to new things? Um, I Part of my anxiety problems are um, leaving the house by myself. Mm -hmm. So kind of, I can be completely fine when I'm out and about if I'm with someone else. But when I'm by myself, it's like there's kind of no safety measure almost. And it's like, I kind of have to like deal with things alone and that was a real big issue but I used to just kind of cope by like going places with people <laughs> and now we can't go into shops in more than like one person and things like that and it's that's been really difficult sometimes I've had to have someone like on the phone with me the entire time in the shop and things like that but um it's I mean it's it's pretty similar COVID mechanisms I guess there's less anxiety when I'm inside all the time it's mm -hmm. when I leave the anxiety spikes but being inside all the time and not really having human contact um is like that's where I think it weighs in more on the depression side yeah um and it can you can start to really just feel terrible because I think we're kind of made to think that going out and doing things and being productive is being successful and when we're told not to essentially just to stop it's, it really throws you and you just kind of feel a bit useless. Because mm -hmm. a few years ago, I was on antidepressants myself a few years ago and I remember just struggling massively and the one really doing anything and of course the GP's just like, oh, we'll put you on a high dose. High dose, yeah. High doses. Mm -hmm. And I realised it just really wasn't what I needed. Yeah. And from you know now working in a hospital environment, I know that most things are just, oh yeah, We'll just put you on medication put, yeah. and it doesn't do anything. So I, my problem mechanism, what I found was I got a, a late, I got a job at the arena doing a glass collecting gig. Oh, and so I was working really late. If not, I was up to the two, three o'clock in the morning. Mm. And that really helped. So I managed to come off my medications because I got that job. Yeah. Because now I'm somewhat doing something with my insomnia. So now I'm getting paid to at least to be at least mentally be awake. <laughs> And then, you know, there was a nice group of friends who I had, yeah. then had and uh, I managed to progress through there. So I always found that there's a lot of different things. For me, especially, it's a lot of social aspects that yeah. come into it. Um, 
So lockdown was incredibly hard to then be away. I was massively in denial. Mm -hmm. There was a woman I met because I was traveling just as everything was going into lockdown. Oh, that's really horrible. I've got so short. Italy was, <laughs> went into lockdown. I went into Prague. As soon as I left Prague, that went into lockdown. Oh, it's following you. <laughs> it followed me. So everyone keeps saying I'm the root cause of it. <laughs> so when I was on the plane on the way home, there was a Swedish woman who was on with us, she already had the gloves, the masks and everything, mm -hmm. way before everyone else did. And I remember being so arrogant, be like, nah, it's no. two weeks, we're fine. It's not gonna come here. And I was in so much denial for weeks and panicking and getting really bad that now I'm gonna be locked in. Because yeah. my big thing, I'm not really claustrophobic, I can deal with tight spaces, but if I feel trapped, yeah. then I crumble. Yeah. And being stuck in the house, granted, I still worked in the hospital, so I had to go to work. But I felt completely trapped to nowhere else to go. Yeah, I yeah have been stuck in the house all the time. I can understand, especially if that's something that kind of is like weighs on you quite a lot. Mm -hmm. It's it's a nightmare. It can literally be a nightmare, can't it? Because my big issue is I hate telephone calls. Yeah. Something oh causes me so much anxiety about phone calls and, and video calls. you have to do phone calls and video calls all the time when you're working from home and you're doing this and you have to see people and it's like, yeah, that is really... Are it's you right? No, 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 it's, it's been a struggle. So I've... Yeah, I can't really do everyone's usual all oh, Zoom calls, call yeah. and and stuff because it, it makes it absolutely crumble. I'm glad things have now opened and it's been absolute hell, but it's... Uh, it was never to go, I mean I got a counsellor again through lockdown, yeah. but I knew I never wanted to go on medications again and stuff. Yeah. And so it was that adaption from, I can't now go out and see friends and escape mm -hmm. for the world for a bit, now I've got to suffer being inside. Yeah. Which is then kind of where these podcasts have came from and somewhat being... Well, you've you turned it into like a, a good thing though, do you know what I mean? Exactly, so similar to your art, you know, you did that at the beginning of lockdown yeah. and stuff. Just as a kind of way to distract and focus on something. Because if you're working towards something, you feel accomplished and you feel like you're doing something. But if you're just kind of still, you just feel stagnant and you're not going anywhere. And that's where I think it really can start to eat away at you. It's just mm -hmm. that nice. So I know you say you're quite open, and of course you've been a little mm -hmm. bit open there. How much of an activist do you think you are? Because you said you've got that Discord server and stuff. Is there any like sort of public things that you do to try and raise awareness or help people in your general facility? Um, I mean, I, I'm i very supportive of talking openly about mental health. I'll never kind of really shy away from anything if people are going to ask about it. It's nothing to be ashamed of, is kind of my viewpoint on it. Um, I think I would love to do more if I could, um, but kind of raising awareness, that kind of thing, um, and really just being there for my friends, setting kind of almost a good example of how to react to people who have mental health issues because obviously if you haven't dealt with something like that before it can be a complete shock and you don't know what's the right thing to do Yeah. but just kind of mainly building a good culture where everyone feels safe and comfortable within like my friend group mm. and like I guess that's just, that's, that's it really. I'd love to do more but yeah. So with, with being open about it, when did you sort of accept it? Because for me it was a few years of me dealing with it and thinking there was something wrong before I somewhat accepted it. Was it quick for you or did it take you some time to sort of <laughs> admit to yourself? Um, so it wasn't super quick. Um, I had some traumatic events in the past 
and I'd always been kind of not necessarily anxious but quite like on edge um, mm -hmm. and then some like following the traumatic events and stuff I got into a really low place and I didn't realize at the time that that was my anxiety and depression coming through I, I thought oh well everyone feels like this do you know what I mean you know when people say everyone feels sad sometimes and you're like okay <laughs> okay does everyone want to step in front of a car sometimes maybe not um <laughs> but it's it's kind of it comes through when I'm at my lowest and I didn't really realize that that's what it was at first it was kind of hard to recognize um and for a couple of years it was just kind of living with it and thinking okay maybe there's something wrong but I don't want to make a fuss I don't want to like be told no you're fine you just but um I spoke to the doctor about it and said that I was feeling really low and she asked me a few questions um and I was quite lucky because I got put in uh counseling service quite quickly but I know it can take ages for some people which is yeah. not great but um yeah and I spoke to my counsellor and that's when we kind of figured out that it was kind of depression anxiety generalised anxiety and PTSD and kind of tried to unpack it there um, and at first she wanted to put me on medication quite quickly and I said no thank you I was like I don't want to take medication maybe because I'm terrible at forgetting to take a pill <laughs> but also I was like I just kind of want to see because I've never tried anything to help with it I want to see how the therapy goes and then maybe um, you know taking some pills to support that rather than just having that try and be a quick fix because it's it's not medications never just a quick fix yeah <laughs> um, did you find the counselor okay because i know it's very hitty missy for people it it can be hit, yeah it it was hitty missy for me to be fair and um, it was nice having someone to talk to about it and it was nice in terms of having someone be able to unpack stuff um the issue that i felt was I was told from the start you fucked this certain amount of weeks yeah. of counselling and I was like okay and you've never spoken to me about it and you think you're going to fix it in 10 weeks brilliant um, and when I spoke to her it was very focused on the PTSD and the unpacking of traumatic events and things like that and the anxiety and depression almost were like a result of that or like a side to that mm -hmm. and she kind of we were kind of reliving events and stuff like that and, and focusing quite a lot on that. Meanwhile, my anxiety was getting worse <laughs> and I'm like, this doesn't really seem like it's working. Um, she she did help me and they send you home with like bits of homework and stuff, don't they? Yeah. And that, it did help to have like some coping mechanisms and stuff. But um, I remember my second to last session, she said, okay, so I think next time's gonna be our last session and my brain went, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry because I immediately wanted to just cry because I didn't, I didn't think I was solved yet I thought I'd barely scratched the surface and she, I was too anxious to be like no I want to stay for longer because I didn't mm -hmm. know if I was like allowed to or anything like that and I just, I left the um, office and just kind of walked up the street had a little sit on a bench and was like oh no um, thinking that now that I've started it I can't ever stop it and be fine by myself mm -hmm. um, I would like to continue more, obviously pandemic and stuff happened, it puts a hole on everything doesn't it, but I would like to do more and kind of explore some more of the mental health issues that I have, um, but kind of 
I think it was a good start, is yeah. what I'll say, <laughs> diplomatic. Do you think it was somewhat to do with the counsellor? Because I've been, I think, about three or four different therapies in three or four different counsellors. Mm -hmm. The last one was great, as much as I hate phone calls during the pandemic. Yeah. She was quite a nice lady, so it was quite beneficial. But the one before, I just felt like it wasn't, wasn't quite like helpful. But I don't think that was anything to do with her. But sometimes I do know that the counsellors and therapists don't click with you yeah. that you need. Yeah, well, it's a relationship, isn't it? And if you don't click with someone in that relationship, it's not gonna ever be as beneficial as someone who you're more comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, I think. She was a nice lady. <laughs> she was lovely, um, but I don't know. I, I don't think that I was given maybe enough time, and also I, I just kind of she, she was nice, but it wasn't like a click. It didn't feel like she fully understood all of the time. And I think it's finding um, a counsellor who can chat to you about it and is right for you is quite important, mm -hmm. really, because it can affect how how beneficial the counselling is, you know, but, yeah. So is there any, anything else you've done to sort of look after or deal with your mental health? Um, I have uh, two guinea pigs, they're called Bruce and Casper, <laughs> they're adorable, um, and um, kind of having a pet or something like that, something that relies on you to clean them, to feed them, to get up and like play with them, give them exercise, things like that. That really really helps um, kind of because then even if nothing else in your day has a routine that is a routine that you can stick to um, and also kind of having a panic attack or anything having a guinea pig sat on your chest is very nice just to <laughs> chill and have something soft to cuddle with um, so yeah I really that's been really beneficial um, and just kind of even if I feel like I've done nothing that day, I'll go and stand in the garden for a bit. I'll have a walk around, even if I don't want to get too far away from the house. Yeah. Just even opening a window and sitting down for a little bit in a quiet room is helpful. Obviously, different things will help different people, but I've just kind of found that that's what's most helpful to me. Have you been able to find that a little bit better? Because, of course, you you said, you know, your anxiety comes from leaving the house. Mm -hmm. Have you been feeling okay recently? Um. Yeah, actually, kind of. My brother started asking um, when I come back from the shop, he goes, are you okay, did you have a panic attack? Because <laughs> um, there has been a couple of times. Um, and lately I've been alright. Um, kind of, I think it's come from leaving to go back to work as well. Because mm -hmm. I'm leaving the house every day now. It's I can just hop off the bus and go, oh, I'll just nip into the shop if I need anything. And that's helped kind of build up confidence in it. I also know the staff at my local shop. Yeah. Um, but kind of if in other places or if something goes wrong that isn't what normally happens i tend to panic so it's it's kind of trying to make sure that everything goes exactly how it should which you never can control but um kind of planning stuff out it's yeah it's helpful it's, it's been a bit easier with things reopening actually kind of going out to some normality again yeah just any sense of normality i mean i'll wear the mask I'll wear the mask and that's not normal, but like people talking to you and being kind of a bit more, yeah, it's just... Has it been okay going back to work or has that been quite a change or a challenge? Um, it's, it was a little bit of a challenge. Right before I went back to work, about a week before, um, I had like a really, really big panic attack. Mm -hmm. um, and then for about two or three days after, I had, I think they call them like rolling panic attacks. So where you kind of have one and you don't feel fully recovered from it before it goes into the next one yeah 
um, and I had that for about um, two or three days I think. About a week before I went back to work I was like oh my god this is awful, like what if I have a panic attack at work and I can't leave and I just, you know how you build yourself up and you get really nervous. Um, but I went in and spoke to my boss, she's called Louise and she's amazing, she's so lovely. Um, and I said to her, I have bad anxiety problems, I've been having panic attacks, kind of had a chat with her and she was like, okay, I'll come across tomorrow and we'll have a chat. And she came across and wrote me um, like a personal risk assessment that was like, where, what kind of is like maybe a trigger of some of my panic attacks and things like that. And she was like, do you find that big spaces in a lot of people, so we'll keep you in a building with lower footfall, being around new people and in an environment that you're not comfortable in. So the girl I work with, Natasha, um, we are paired up now, so we're always together. Mm -hmm. It was things like, if you ever feel like you can have a panic attack, you can take a walk, you can have half an hour eat, and just go and get outside and come back when you feel ready. And having someone so supportive like that in the workplace is so nice. She's like, because I'm comfortable sometimes with um, new people and being in a situation like close to new people. So um, she was like, if you ever, need first aid or anything like that, you can call so that it's me who's your first aider mm -hmm. rather than a random person you've not met. And she just, every single box she ticked, she just made sure that I was as comfortable as I could be. And I don't think I'm ever going to get a manager that nice again. Yeah, it's Part nice. It's nice that someone's like taken that much consideration into it. And especially, you know, I know through this pandemic, a lot more focus on mental health has been put on but it's still it's quite the niche and the taboo. So it's really nice to hear that some people are actually yeah. taking some of I think her, uh, some of her family members have had panic attacks and like stuff like that in the past. And I think it really mm -hmm. is like, you can tell when somebody has experienced that or has experienced like of someone they know, someone close to them struggling with it because there's more of an understanding there. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just love for that to become the norm because I've never felt so supported in the workplace. Yeah, I just, it was great. <laughs> How's your come downs usually when you have a panic attack? Like, are you able to control them in a sense, or do you still um, kind of control them at the start? I guess um, a little bit. It's like I can feel it happening, like my my chest getting really tight and kind of heart starting to beat faster. My hands can't stop like tapping and stuff. Um, it's quite a an intense feeling and you, you kind of feel it coming on. Um, I'm alright kind of suppressing it if I can be quiet and like just kind of like sit to myself mm -hmm. but it kind of it's very internal and it's, it's got to come out at some point because you've got all this kind of like adrenaline. It's almost like a fight or flight thing isn't it where you kind of you feel like you need to go um, and kind of once it happens and, and like it's really horrible and hard to kind of bring it back to I'm fine and I'm calm. Um, obviously they give you like techniques and stuff in counselling like counting to ten or like yeah. listing the things around you or I mean to be fair, at least it's not like have a bath and a cup of tea. <laughs> that helps mental health. Um, but yeah it's uh, it's quite hard to kind of focus back again. Um, obviously breathing techniques and things like that. There's a reason why they suggest things like that too, it's to distract mm -hmm. your mind and it brings you back to it, but it's just sometimes it's really hard to focus on something to bring you back into it and not just kind of spiral into the panic attack. Mm -hmm. um, I think the best thing really is just getting to a place where I feel like 100% comfortable, like getting home or getting 
to be surrounded by people that I trust and being able to sit calmly, comfortably and have no pressure, just kind of sit and relax a bit myself and unwind it. Sometimes though when you try and unwind it just gets worse because you're thinking about it, it's just kind of distracting yourself enough into calming down from it and then unpacking it afterwards and being like, what's set that off? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's wonderful. I was, I'm thinking, mine's awful because uh-huh. I'm very much, every time I get anxious or something I like to isolate myself and yeah. be completely alone. But I know fine well as soon as I'm alone, my mind's like goes all the time. Completely. So that I need to get out and actually see someone. It's, so it's like that fight off lately. Like I have to leave, and you think by yourself you're safe. Cause it's just you, and you have to get into a place. But it's like you said, it just completely like cranks it up, doesn't it? Because you just start thinking about it. Just, I just think a good distraction. I think people who you trust are a great distraction for things like that. Oh, definitely. Um, but. I mean, I've, with with all my stuff, like I said, you know, I came to accepting it, and it's almost, you know, people suggest why don't you go back to a counsellor or why don't you do this, that, and the other, and it's, it, you know, there might be promise that it can work and stuff, but I feel like it's almost now here for the long run yeah. and stuff. So I've just completely accepted it in that way. With yours, do you reckon, you know, after going back to counselling, you might be able to get over it or if do you think this might be also a long running thing? Um, I do think I'm waiting it for the long run at this point. Um, I think it could get like easier and better but I don't ever really think that I'll be kind of completely back to a space where maybe I was before mm-hmm. um, and like it's when you're having a good time period, you could be good for months and months and months and then something bad happens and all of a sudden they like lead into each other and it gets worse and worse and worse. Um, which obviously isn't ideal in a pandemic where you can't go yeah. get help. Um, but I think like counselling and things like that, I'm always supportive of it, even if not to necessarily cure it or like get over it, but just to kind of support it, help it. I think it's just important to like get things off your chest sometimes in an environment where there's people there who aren't going to judge you and are trained to kind of help you deal with things because unpacking mm. stuff in your brain sometimes is so hard. <laughs> it's weird how like it physically feels lighter mm-hmm. when you do it. I, I've only recently realised that from being a little bit more open but honestly you uh, yeah. can feel it being a bit lighter. Rather than just kind of weighing down on you. 100% I agree. <laughs> so do you think then, you know, if it is in for the long run and stuff, with you, hopefully, you'll be a lot better with it, you can cope with it and stuff, but do you think you've, you know, it's if anything made you a better person, like have you learned much from it that you've managed to turn, like I said with the arena being, you know, insomnia, I'm working and getting paid, do you think you've been able to transfer it to a lot more positive energy or you've fueled it to do something else? I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm ready to work and push towards the positive kind of side of things. Um, I, I think rather than kind of being grateful for them, I think I wouldn't change what's happened mm-hmm. because it's cliche, but it leads into who you are today. Um, I was saying to my friend Petrina um, <laughs> the other day that like. I was like, I'm happy for your trauma. And I was like, that didn't come out the way I meant it to. I mean, 
the things that you've gone through and how you've learned and how you've coped with them has made you into the person that you are today and I'm really grateful for the person that you are today and I love the person that you are today. So while I wouldn't wish that to happen to you, I'm glad that you've become that person from them. Mm -hmm. A bit of a tricky one when you're telling someone you're grateful for their trauma. <laughs> but it's 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 true, I think um, you learn a lot from it, you grow a lot from it and putting it into something more positive is really, really helpful. Um, of channeling that energy because it, you're either going to channel it or it's just going to take over <laughs> yeah no definitely so i think that's a, a great way to, to sort of wrap it up in that do you mm -hmm. have anything final to say anything you know people might be listening they'd want to hear and stuff if kind of you have been feeling down or if you've been experiencing things that maybe you think might be leading on to something more serious i just say talk to someone you trust reach out um and never be afraid to talk to a doctor about things like that because while they're not quite there yet they're getting there on mental <laughs> health help <laughs> and um, it, it can really help just even just knowing what the problem is can help immensely Brilliant. thank you very much for okay. coming on everyone thank you very much for watching or listening and we will see you later <laughs>